Hi guys, um, welcome to Your Best Self Podcast. Today I have a very special guest. I have um, Rebecca. She is a uh, nutrition with Rebecca on Instagram. Please go and check her out. Her page is amazing. Um, but thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on to the podcast, taking the time out of your busy day. Like I know how how busy you are. Um, to answer some questions for me and for my listeners, I really appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. Absolutely honoured to be here. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Really good. We didn't weather in the UK. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Like we were, we had like t- a torrential rain like Sunday, Monday. Now it's really nice here. Oh Just... yeah, we're having that like on the hour. So it's sunshine and then it's rain. It's like, how are you feeling today, rain? Uh, rain, weather, hormonal. That's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like me in my luteal phase. <laughs> and it's like, you don't know what to what to wear to go out. Like you go out with like a jumper on, you're absolutely sweating. It's off within three seconds and then you're it's you're soaking. Yeah. The beauty of, yeah, the UK weather. It's great. Here for it, here for it. Grateful <laughs> for a sunrise, though, me. Grateful for a sunrise. I know, it is amazing. So we have done a few podcasts before, but we've not done one in a while. I think it's actually, I don't know if we've done one this year, have we? It's been way too long. Way Let too me long. tell you that, it's been way too long. Um, so for anyone new who is listening, could you maybe just give us a little introduction um, to yourself, like what you do and why you got into coaching? Yes, of course I can. So I am predominantly an online coach specialising in relationship with food, relationship with body image, um, supporting people who have been through years and years and years of chronic dieting, like um, fad methods, I've got limiting beliefs, lack of self-awareness, perhaps emotionally dysregulated in healing their relationship with food and ultimately finding themselves again. A lot of my work comes from my background. I was 22 stone at 21. I was really, really unhealthy and I fell into all of the diets out there. Massive restriction. Nobody was talking to me about um, emotional eating. Nobody was talking about binge eating. People were all just talking about like the thin ideal, skinny as sexy. I grew up in the era of like Kate Moss, Victoria Beckham, a lot of comparison with females, even look at like, even as, as recent as the X Factor, people are compared and was who was the best dressed, who was the best looking between um, like Danny and Cheryl, as an example. So there was a hyper fixation for me on losing weight and fitting this ideal. So I fell into every method of dieting out there, huge amounts of restriction, but I was still binge eating. <laughs> I was still on track, off track. I was having cheat days, treat days, you know. I would restrict all day to then go and eat all night. I was really unhealthy and I got, I did lose the weight. So on the outside, everyone was saying to me, oh, you look great, you look great. But the, I was so dysregulated and I was so disconnected from my body and I was so critical of my body. And I got to a very small weight and lost my menstrual cycle for three years my fixation went from food to exercise and then to overworking. So there was a lot of like yo-yo dieting and I saw a massive gap in the market whereby nobody was talking about like your relationship with food and supporting health outcomes long-term. So say if you want to lose weight, if you're in a larger phenotype, how can you improve your relationship with food and, and sustainably lose weight 
instead of losing weight than gaining weight, losing weight and gaining weight. And how is that impacting your health and how is that impacting your mental well-being? And it's all we've all been driven by like external factors, influences, tracking apps, fitness watches. Nobody's sat there asking how you feel with your approach. How does it feel to eat the food that you're putting in my fitness pal? How does it feel to do the exercise that you've been given on a generic diet plan? What does health feel like to you? How does that impact your life? How does that impact your commitments? And there's this perfection out there that feeds that black and white mindset. So my coaching literally came from my experience. And then I went away and got qualified. I've done a lot of qualifications, uh, behavior change, um, psychology, EIQ like yourself, uh, BTN. So yeah, it's developing, it's growing. And thankfully now, like yourself, there's a lot of people out there talking about sustainability, balance, flexibility, adaptability, imperfection. And hopefully, I don't know if it's the echo chamber that I'm exposed to, but hopefully we will see more of the overarching health pushed more in society instead of this fit the ideal like skinny and sexy because it does it's a trend isn't it and I felt at the trend for, mm-hmm. for years and the trend is forever changing and I think that was one of the biggest realizations when I w- went through healing my relationship with food is that I was never going to fit anything because that was just it, it changed like the weather yeah yeah and it, it, it's funny as well because I like remember myself like I was not aware of relationship with food relationship with body like when I went through my journey like I just thought that I would go to the gym and I would do a diet and all would be well like and the same as you like growing up in that like Kate Moss thigh gap like that ideal like in in trying to diet yourself into like that smaller body because you just assume that that's going to make you happy and it doesn't like and I just think a lot of people because again like you I feel like the echo chamber we're in like a lot of people are speaking about relationship with food relationship with their body like about using like about, about being more regulated with your emotions not using like food or just food to regulate your emotions etc like and I feel like the echo chamber we're in a lot of people are talking about that but I know from being at work hearing conversations speaking to clients speaking to colleagues a lot of people are not aware of relationship with food they are not aware of the impact their relationship with food is having their language around food um, and I think because they're not aware of it they don't realise that that's what probably needs the work first before um, you think about another diet or another exercise plan or another meal plan Um, absolutely sorry no 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 go it's one of those, isn't it, that if you said to somebody like who perhaps isn't exposed to relationship with food, relationship with body image and how that feeds into so many areas of your life. If you said to somebody like, well, what does health feel like to you? They would probably come back and say, oh, being a certain way and eating good food. Whereas and I would have probably said that like years and years ago, like, oh, being being small, being skinny and just eating really, really good food all the time. But actually 
when you work through your relationship with food and your relationship with your body and if somebody said to me now like what does health feel like to you balanced regulated calm peaceful because we find that when we are dysregulated and like three of the things that we use when we are dysregulated that are in ease of reach are food alcohol and drugs and it's even been cited now as online shopping as a suppression and food is one of the easiest comfort mechanisms that is used so often in society but people brush over that and they think that dieting heals their relationship with food so they fall into this path of restriction so then it's health feels skinny health feels eating just certain food and this avoidance and until you're exposed to it until you hear the the severity of like the language that you're using and how that's directly impacting your body image well I've just eaten that's naughty I shouldn't have eaten that so how do you feel in yourself then if you're telling yourself you shouldn't have ate that you'll then shame at yourself you'll then stand in the mirror and be like oh god look at that I can see that donut in my stomach now shouldn't have ate that then what do you do you try and compensate by getting up in the morning restricting going for a longer walk doing more exercise so then you're not connecting with your family because you're pushing yourself to these extremes then you're not living true to your values and then all of this becomes a catalyst because you're not happy living in your body because you're chasing again this ideal this perception of what you believe health is fitting in this blueprint but actually health is so subjective and how you feel about your health is completely different to anybody else's and that's where working on your relationship with food and your body image allows you to explore your own needs and especially like yourself mums females let's just say females we've been taught that we can't have needs so then it's oh well I'll just fit that blueprint because that's what I'm allowed to do but actually no you're well in your right to have needs as a mum as a female as a business owner, as anybody. So working on yourself allows you to explore your own needs. What brings you joy? What brings you happiness? What do you want out of life? And I think it is, it's probably one of the best things you can ever do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And it's hard. Like I, I know myself, like having two kids and working part-time, having like the online business and stuff, like fitting me and is super super tough like super super tough and you're a hero (laughs) I always get mung out like regardless of what I do but a lot of the times when I experience that mung out more it is when I have went very far away from my values and I'm at the point where I then have to go back and really check myself and be like this is why you're feeling guilty it's because you are doing like because you have moved so far away from where you want to be that you are snapping at the kids or you are feeling guilty because you can't go and do that like you can't fit that workout in and you you're blaming like you're becoming resentful you're blaming etc it's like it, it becomes a little bit of a minefield um it's projection then, isn't it and then yeah there are going to be times when, yeah, you do have to work a little bit harder. There are going to be times when you do have to compromise. But with like the mum guilt and things like that, it can be more of a sacrifice. So then it's opening your heart, opening your mind to the growth and being like, okay, so if I'm having to work more, then something's got to give here. And then mm-hmm. that reduces that guilt significantly because you've got the, then the awareness of the adaptability that you need to be creating and putting in place. Yeah. And it's very much the same with your relationship with food because it all plays into how you then show up with your children, how you show up at work, how you show up with your exercise, with your friends, with your socialising. 
and it just brings you back to that place of regulation and that state that state of calm to then have a small amount of clarity to then be like well what's the next right thing here Mm -hmm. so you do you think for a lot of people the first step for them to look into the relationship with food and potentially like become more aware of certain maybe red flags with the relationship with food is to work on what their values are first. Yeah. Um, You can't do the work unless you know your values. You can't. And (laughs) I don't know about yourself, but like, I I didn't know my values in my 20s. Oh my God. I don't know know my values like two years ago. No, I didn't. (laughs) I was like, until I was like, you know, my getting to my 30s and like I talk to clients now who are in their 60s and they don't know their values and for me that breaks my heart I think it should be in the curriculum at school and I think if you'd have asked me in my 20s what I valued I'd have said my body image I'd have said how I looked I'd have said fitting in a size eight clothes or what the skill said yeah the patriarchy's opinion of me because shockingly that's all I'd been taught Mm -hmm. you cannot do the work until you know your values but then you've also got that oh yeah, I I value health, I value family, I value love. And I'm, But do you? Do, is that really what you value or is that what you're saying you value based on the pressure of society? Like, I don't value health. I, I genuinely don't. But having optimal health supports my personal growth, supports connection, supports my relationships. Therefore, health comes part of my values but it's not it's not a fault it's not a core value of mine mm-hmm. and this is where people are then let down well if you value family and you value health and you value love why are you working till nine o'clock at night why are you out on a friday night with your friends if you value family and you value your your health why are you projecting at the children like if you value family like if you value family and you want a family why are you eating saturated fats all day it's not part of your health. And this is where they're like, oh, actually, maybe I don't value those things. And it's you're well within your rights to value anything. Mm-hmm. But body image is not a value. Let me tell you that. Fat loss is not a value. But these things are goals on your way. And until you know your values are your compass, where you want to go in life. And when you know that, things start to fall into place. And you can like, well, if fat loss is, is something that is a goal for you and you don't value health, but you value relationships and you value like I don't know give me another value (laughs) like connection connection you value relationships and you value connection and you are say in a well any phenotype and you know that fat loss is important to you okay so if you're going on a fat loss journey how is that going to help you connect more is that going to give you more confidence so that when you go out you'll be more present you'll have more self-awareness you'll have more clarity is that gonna give you the ability to go out and find relationships because you'll be feeling more comfortable in yourself and again you'll have that confidence in yourself and then you'll be able to step out of your your comfort zone at the minute and go and explore seeing new people, meeting new people, finding new relationships. If you're in a larger phenotype and you value uh, relationships and say a fat loss is important, again, well, can you gain relationships from going to the gym, going to a a group class, doing the park run, and then it all falls into place. But until you know that, you don't. And I think people live such a 
um blueprint life get up go to work come home sort the children go to bed get up go and it's that same so then where do they seek an amount of satisfaction stimulation food mm-hmm. and they don't realize they're doing it but they're eating off the kids plates but then it's the kids fault because the kid didn't eat all the food yeah. or they're snacking in their work because they're bored or they've got like like yourself the different shift patterns then it's like well I can't do that because I've got work so what's the point in doing me you you don't prioritize yourself but then if you know your values you know where you want to go in life you've got the direction Mm -hmm. and then you're able to adapt more be more flexible be more open-minded with the growth outside of this like fixed mindset that is pushed from diet culture it is like track your calories count your steps track your calories count your steps and if you can't it's very black and white you don't do it because that you're you're basing your goals of societal norm as opposed to what you want yeah yeah I know absolutely I think that's where like um a lot of people who don't know their values get caught up in the comparison trap they get caught up in oh I was speaking to such and such at work and they've they're doing keto and they've lost like x amount of weight so I'm going to do that but you value like connection and you value like having dinner with your family and if you're going to start cutting it out it's going to feel very um like incongruent and that's going to cause a lot of turmoil inside you and therefore you will end up and that's a horrible feeling to have so a lot of people who don't potentially have the best relationship with food will then turn to food for comfort because let's face it like we don't like to feel these negative emotions um so a lot of people will just turn to to food or alcohol um, to reduce or to numb that feeling. And that's it, because, again, we've been taught to not have needs. So you can't say that you're frustrated. You can't say that you're aggravated. In fact, you probably don't even know how you're feeling. Mm. So it's just like, I'll just do this to avoid it. I'll avoid the pain. And we do anything to avoid pain and discomfort, anything. Yeah. But then that ha- what happens is this becomes habitual to you and you you leave yourself with this limiting belief, well, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change. Well, shockingly, if that's the story you're telling yourself, you are never going to be able to change. Mm-hmm. That's not me saying go away and tell yourself you can change, but a bit of self-belief goes a long bloody way, let me tell you that. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the, a big part of our job as well as coaches. It's like building that self-belief, providing that reassurance like that people can do it because... A lot of people, if they have been dieting their full life, they have been yo-yo dieting their full life, they're not potentially aware of their values. It's tough. And I think a lot of people think the hard, like doing like these really restrictive diets, like that's that's a hard thing to do. Like this is the hard thing to do. Like it's not the hard thing to do. The hard thing to do is actually to get down to the nitty gritty, to get down to what you value most. Work that out. Because that, like, I know myself, like, that's a tough, tough journey. There's there's usually a few really difficult conversations to be had whilst doing, when you do that. There's a lot of boundaries that need to be set. There's a lot of self-awareness that needs to, that needs to happen. Um, you become a lot more aware of other people in your life that are potentially not serving you. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to be aware of as well, like, I know for me, like when I started working on my relationship with food and like the stories that I was telling myself, I became a lot, a lot more aware of people around me and 
what this what they were telling themselves and or what they were saying to themselves and I'm trying I'm trying to word this like because it's not I don't mean I'm not calling anybody out on it or anything like that but like in particularly like at work in the staff room and conversations here like the amount of conversations I hear when people are like I, I ate shit all weekend I need to rein it in or like oh look at that look at that in the table that's really bad I shouldn't have a bit of that and then by three o'clock they're having like a huge big slice of it like these sort of things like it, it became me it for what was always a norm for me to be around that environment and to, to have these same thoughts, to go on night shifts and be like, I'm just going to eat my way through night shifts because that's what everybody else is doing and I don't know any better um, or I don't know another way. Um, and leaving night shifts feeling like absolute shit, feeling like shit for days after night shifts because I didn't know any better and like I didn't know that this was potentially a really harmful way to think about food and to think about what I was doing to my body. And especially when we speak, when we talk or we think about the negative health impacts shifts can have on on you, like on your health and stuff like that, like to also like to also have these negative um thoughts about food or these negative relationships with food, it just exacerbates the full situation. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and then again, it's conforming to that narrative, isn't it? That you're one of the five people you spend the most time with. So then you're following their behaviors and it doesn't align to your values. It doesn't align to your health, your health goal. But then when you do work on your relationship with food and you set boundaries and maybe it's not projected boundaries, but maybe it's just boundaries with yourself, whereby you then are able to hear this this language hear this noise and I think one of the best things my clients say to me is oh like somebody says it in the office maybe uh, I'm getting my contract today and they're just able to just accept that that's somebody else's language and not then think I need to be on track I need to do that I need to do that I should be doing that mm-hmm. because you've got the capacity and the awareness of what's most important to you and then you're able to drive that intended action in line with your values and then with your goals without them being like well if they're going off track all night shift then I might as well just do the same but then you like you said you leave yourself feeling like utter rubbish after your night shift so then that's going to impact your time with your children your time with your husband your workouts um your time socializing because you'll be forever like trying to chase your tail maybe that that food has left you even more sleep deprived and we know that your circadian rhythm is massively disrupted with your shift work which massively disrupts your emotional well-being your emotional regulation so then are you sending yourself into a frenzy of more dysregulation and a lack of awareness and a and a lack of compassion and I mean compassion with like fierce compassion like you can be too soft with compassion whereby you just say oh well everyone else is doing it so I'm just going to conform to that and that's fine sometimes you've got to strike the balance and be fierce with yourself and say hold on a minute hold yourself accountable is that right for you and you won't be able to do that until you understand how that language and that perhaps environment is not right for you and you're just again falling in suit yeah do you think there's any like common red flags that for people that they can look out for um, if they're not sure if their relationship with food needs a little, a little bit of work? I think, um, I mean, the, the one that you mentioned earlier, massively the language. Um, mm. Like if you are saying, oh, that's bad or that's good, there's simply no context to it. 
like and and usually what you see with people is when they categorize certain food as being bad it's maybe like a trigger food it's maybe food that they have avoided or maybe food that they've overeaten at some point when they have been dysregulated it tends to be like really processed food like chocolate biscuits these sort of things if you think that that food is bad and you're trying to avoid it, ask yourself why. Is that supportive for you long term? Is that something that you can actively see yourself doing for the rest of your life? And what you tend to see then is this flows into other areas whereby people get quite resentful if they see other people eating this food. So like if you're sat opposite your partner and he's out and he's ordered dessert and you're like, why you why you ordering a dessert people then start to project and instead of asking why he's ordering a dessert ask why you're not ordering a dessert because that's your avoidance that's your relationship with food um so massively massively food labels and then if you've ever restricted or removed food out of your diet and of course say if your goal is fat loss we have to be realistic you do have to restrict but that should never be a restriction of food groups. That should never be an isolation of certain food or avoidance of food. That should just be a restriction of your energy intake, whereby you're eating below your energy requirements. Not that you're avoiding sugar, not that you're avoiding carbohydrates, not that you're avoiding X, Y, Z. So ask yourself and question that. Um, if you are using weekends as being like um, off plan, as a as a quote unquote in, inverted commas, or if when you're going out socially, you're studying the menu before you go to try and choose what's the best quote unquote option. Um, or if you're restricting all day to go out for food at night, massive red flag. If you're only allowing yourself certain food on certain days, massive red flag. If you are skipping breakfast because maybe you went out the night before and you still feel a little bit full, massive red flag. Um, if you're stepping on the scales and then like you can't accept the changes, massive red flag. If you're celebrating coming down in weight, massive red flag. Um, if you're feeling bloated and potentially that sends you into a frenzy of restriction or like body checking all the time, massive red flag. Like there's so many red flags. And I think realistically, like myself, a millennial, baby bloomers, is it Jen? gen y gen z you you're all going to have some red flags mm. and it's i think then it's asking yourself okay well how deep do my red flags go do i use food as a comfort and is that complete comfort or is that shadow comfort where it's left you feeling empty and seeking more are you using food as a suppression is food serving a need that's unmet at the minute because maybe you are lacking connection so food is serving a purpose for you so instead of looking to change the food and looking to remove the food, look at meeting that need elsewhere. So how do you then, again, it comes back to your values. How do you go and seek connection without getting the satisfaction and stimulation from food? Mm -hmm. And so if so that that's where that all falls in quite nicely. And it all intertwines with your relationship with your body, like how you see food, because ultimately you're eating food every day. So if you're... Um, say you've got you label cake as being bad because cake used to be a trigger for you and every time you ate cake you ate all the cake so now the best thing for you to do is avoid the cake but then when you see the cake you want more cake because you've avoided the cake and it triggers what's known as the abstinence violation effect whereby like a minor violation triggers um, a greater consumption 
but when you're then consuming more that's then triggering this guilt and this shame then you bash yourself you call yourself a failure you tell yourself you can't do anything you tell yourself that you are unworthy unacceptable and and you're never going to be successful and frankly we wouldn't give that advice to somebody else you wouldn't give that advice to your best friend but you take that advice yourself so then you go and restrict the next day and it sounds counterintuitive to a lot of people because maybe some people do need to lose weight to benefit their health working in your relationship with food where you then become more regulated when if you've come off a night shift and you are so fatigued and it's been so draining and it's maybe been a heartbreaking night shift for you you're then not swinging by mcdonald's or swinging by the shop and just soothing yourself with all the food instead you've got regulation um, tools on your tool belt that you can use that you can fall into that are value driven but then also, by the same token, using food sometimes as a comfort, it just shouldn't be our only comfort. When you mm-hmm. do choose it as comfort, it's intentionally led. It is going to deliver so much joy to you and it's going to nourish you. And then you find peace being able to go out socially spontaneously that people really struggle with if you're in that black and white mindset. So if you're on track, off track, on track, off track, you are not a train. And frankly, the psychological strain, and I get that, you'll get that, understand that, that comes with that sort of narrative is so damaging. And it's it's a rough place to be, a really rough place. And you've always got this black cloud around you and it's always aimed at yourself. And I think one of the best things that I learned in my journey was the one thing that took me and is still taking me through life and allowing me to live a life that I want is my body. So if you're treating her, him, with disrespect, is that something that you want to take through for the rest of your life? Do you want to look back when you're 80 and be like, Christ, yeah, well done, you spent years yo-yo dieting. Because simply that's what it is, and we do all yo-yo diet. It's it's like a fitness phenomenon now. It's a norm. It's a trend to be on track, off track. Weekends, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what's the bodybuilding references? Um, if it fits your macros. <laughs> bulking and cutting as well bulking like. cutting yeah and then you see people well i've tracked it all in my fitness pal um and it's all in my calories yeah but you've used all of your calories on a domino's pizza a mcdonald's chicken wrap <laughs> and i don't know a starbucks coffee and it's thinking about it's thinking about the long-term effect and how you feel eating that food, which again is not spoken about. And I'm really interested in the research and I actually can't wait. Well, I can wait to age because frankly, I think I'm getting quite old quite fast. Well, <laughs> that bit. life is going past, past us way too quick. I, and I'm sure you will be interested in this as well. We are sort of the first generation that's gone through these really restricted yo-yo diets, right? Excessive exercise, um, binge eating, disordered eating. How is that going to affect hormonal health as we get to menopause? How is that going to affect like loss of bone mineral density? How is that going to impact us aging? Are are we going to be aging as well? Or will we age better? Will we age worse? How is that going to impact us? Because frankly, the yo-yo dieting and like if it fits your macros, bulk, 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 whatever, that's that's not thriving. That's not giving your body what it needs to survive but what it needs to thrive mentally and physically, you're not optimally gifting your body or nourishing your body. That's not balance. That's just eat whatever you want without 
without even thinking about it. And frankly, you're always going to have to think about food. But it goes from being something that's a chore when you're working through your relationship with food to something that's pretty cool where you're like, look how I'm nourishing my body. Look how I'm gifting her. How is this helping me when I'm going through my eight hour surgery? How is this helping me deliver to my patients? How is this helping me deliver to my children? What example am I setting for my children? What example am I setting for those around me? How can I go out socially and strike the balance so I'm not doing my genes? And everybody will resonate with at least one of those things or at least one of those red flags Mm -hmm. because that's a society now. You go to a supermarket and you can go and get the healthier option. You can go and get the treat food. Tell me why is all the treat food in one aisle? Why is all the chocolate together? Because they're categorizing it. Why is all the salad together? Because it's a category. It's a category of food groups. So then you just won't go down the treat aisle because you don't trust yourself because you've got no confidence because you're avoiding it. Is that healthy? What if your mm-hmm. children want some sweets? No, you can't have it because if you have it, then I'm going to want them and that's not allowed. And, yeah. and, and it's and it's that that's... And it's still marketed now. I had a, a client say to me yesterday, her mum had rang her and said, have you tried this hibiscus tea or whatever? And she said, oh, no, 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 why? She said, well, it helps you lose belly fat. Because it was marketed that way. Yeah. And... It's that sort of thing that everybody is exposed to. So when you work on your relationship with food, you get this huge amount of awareness, huge amount of awareness. And you're able to let things go. If you, again, people are using that language, but you're also able to have your own view. You're able to put things in place in terms of boundaries if you want to. But you're also able to make decisions that are right for you. And you're able to say no, but also able to say yes. Mm-hmm. Not Ordering a dessert because everyone's ordering a dessert and you don't want to feel bad because you're a quote-unquote people pleaser. And <laughs> not having a biscuit out of the packet like because Karen's offered you a biscuit and you don't want to say no to Karen. You can say no because your life is not Karen's life. Your life is not everybody around you having this dessert. And this is where it feeds into like your work as well because you go to work and you're like, oh my God, why did I just eat that dessert? You go, so you go into a night shift and all you're thinking about is the brownie that you just ate. Mm-hmm. it's emotional dysregulation again it's food preoccupation it's food focus are you then fully present at your work and one of your values is maybe growth with work is maybe career development so how is that helping you yeah absolutely. there's so many avenues so many and I think that's the thing as well it's like when you were speaking about the red flags I was like oh 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 so it's like it, but I think it's like you can't you will resonate with these red flags but if you have a like if you are improving your relationship with food you'll know that like you might have like one of the like you might have a red flag about um like trigger foods or whatever like overeating on a trigger food but if you are if you are aware of this and the the intention is there and and, like it's building that self-awareness it's learning from that like it just means like, like that red flag might not go away but because you've built that awareness you, and you know about it and you're you are improving your relationship with food, relationship with your body, like it will reduce. Of course it will. And, so, and it's, it will reduce with exposure. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's where, that's where people give up because it gets a little bit tough. So I remember myself personally, I used to call donuts bad. I used to, I had this belief that if I had a donut, I'd eat all the donuts and shockingly, every time I had a donut, I did eat all the donuts because I was avoiding the donuts. So um, 
my husband and I went to a donut decorating class. Um, I bought it as a gift for him. So we made four amazing donuts, like piled high. And when we came home that night, I made myself, <laughs> five years ago, I made myself some protein donuts because I wasn't going to eat those donuts because those donuts are bad. And I put mine in the bin. Shocking, I know. And you'll know because you commented on my story or one of my posts not long ago that I absolutely love donuts. And shockingly, I do love donuts. But it takes an amount of vulnerability and courageous action to then be like, okay, well, I've called them bad and I've avoided them. So I need to start including them. You might overeat them to start with. You might eat more than one. Mm-hmm. But then over time, it's like repetition of a, of, of a muscle. You're growing the capacity to then sit with the comfort of just being able to have one because you've reduced the absence violation effect. You've reduced the novelty of these foods. So then you can, like somebody offered me a donut now, I could say no to a donut. But if somebody offered me a donut now, I could say yes to a donut. And on the surface, this is where people go wrong. It's just, it looks like either eating a donut or not eating a donut. But it's always how you feel with that action. Where does that intent lie? Is that nourishing you or is that punishing you? I could say no to a donut now because I'm midway through a podcast and quite frankly my attention is on this podcast and it's really important to me so I wouldn't want to have the donut now or I could be sat with my husband going out for food and somebody we walk past the donut shop and he's like should we get a donut and and I say yeah sit there and eat it mindfully and embrace that mm-hmm. but it, it's how you feel with your 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 decision are you saying to yourself, no, I can't have that because it's bad. And then the the donuts are left downstairs. So if I said no to that donut now, no, 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 no. And someone says to me, I'll leave it downstairs. And there's four downstairs. I'll go down and eat more. Yeah. And you would. But it's whether, again, coming back to that question, how is that helpful for you? How is food avoidance? How is categorization helpful? Is that helpful or is that hindering you? And prime example is when you go on holiday, right? And you get to the buffet, all this food that you've avoided is there in abundance. Or a fuddle at work. Like, you know, I don't know if you have fuddles where you where you go, but I've got um, a family member who works in the hospital and they always have fuddles. So like they all bring different food in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like nature where you're yeah. like literally yeah, yeah, yeah. the bench is just covered in yeah. chocolate sweets. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you're trying to be good all week and you're trying to avoid this food because you're on track this week. And then you get to your night shift on a Friday where, let's be frank, you are exhausted anyway from maybe working all week and wild amounts of commitments. That's you're, at, you're, you're at your most vulnerable. When you're, you're at your most vulnerable. You're, you're vulnerable dysregulated in, in terms of your emotions because you've restricted all week. And then you've got this food there that is serving a place for you. Oh, well, you just eat all the food. And then it's like, well, but I've screwed it up now. What's the point? What is the point? I might as well just eat it all. And again, it's that self-awareness is diminished. Clarity is low. Decision-making is impaired because you are so dysregulated. Mm-hmm. So having some awareness and some clarity and just some understanding. And one of the most powerful things you can do is curate a pause. When you're in this hyper-aroused state, and I think a lot of people go around in hyper-aroused state, constantly stressed. Like you talk to people, oh, I'm stressed today, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm busy, I'm busy. And it's like we normalize that now. And we normalize that to a point where we are just like constantly dysregulated. But being able to create a pause brings you back down to your like window of tolerance by engaging what's known as your parasympathetic nervous nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So that if you just took a pause and by pausing, I mean a breath, just take, do, do, do some deep breathing before 
and start strengthening that capacity to sit more in your window of tolerance around these situations. And when you then pause and you breathe, you can use what's known as um, the bulge technique. So you breathe, observe, listen, and then decide instead of like uh, like just general breath work, like general breathing, and then like acting and um, breath work, trying to avoid and then reacting. It's like, well, where is that going to sit with you? What's most powerful to you? Being able to observe and listen and decide or avoiding and reacting avoiding and reacting mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's such a powerful thing for people especially if they're working shifts or like have kids at home as well and the kids are driving you crazy and or you're on shift and it's super super busy and you're like I've not had a break all this stuff is sitting in front of me like and you and I do it myself like I, like you just grab something without even thinking like it is a it is a automatic response but having that 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 pause, like that, I call it like a power pause, like just being able to stop and actually just think. Sometimes what I do as well when I'm on shift is, so like just the way our bit is set up, like so we've got like a little, um, so this is mostly just, mostly just on night shifts, but we've got like a little kind of like staff area. We've got some chairs and stuff and that is generally where all the, the food will sit um because people bring stuff in and like I know my values, I know it's what, um, I know what my goals are. And I would never say to somebody on shift, like, you can't bring stuff in because I can't have that. Like, that's just, like, do you know, but so the stuff's there. Like, I know it's there. If I see, find myself going for it, like, that exactly what you're just saying. Like, I will pause. I'll take myself out of that environment. I'll just move a couple of steps away from the stuff and I'll just really think about, I don't really think, I don't think, I'm, I'm not like at the point now where I'm like, what are my values? What are my goals? Blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I just kind of take a pause and I'll just be like, would my future self thank me for doing this? Thank, thank me for having that. And sometimes that answer is yes, occasionally. But most of the time the answer is no. Like I know having chocolate at three o'clock in the morning is only going to cause me like to have horrendous stomach pain. It's only going to cause me to have a massive sugar rush and then a massive sugar crash. So in an hour or two, I am going to feel like absolute death. Um, like I know that it's not the, the it's not the right decision for me in that moment, although it feels really easy just to grab it. But if in, unless you take that pause and you actually really ask yourself, is this like is this the right decision for me at this time? Like you will just grab it. And a lot of times as well when we're on shift, and I used to do this before, like, we're on shift, we deserve this. We're night shift, what can we bring in? We'll have we'll have a wee treat on night shift. And I'm all for that. Like, I am. Like, I'm not saying you can't do that. But if you have a fat loss goal, if you have a, like, if you are trying to improve your, your health and by doing that, you need to lose body fat. Like, is that the best decision to be doing? Like, and again, it's that mindset thing. It's that intentional choice. Like, so... If you are thinking about like being on night shift and you're comp- like you're you feel like you're making all these sacrifices to not have these things, like that's not the best mindset. You're going to feel resentful for like that. But if you're like, do you know what? Like I'm comp- like I'm making these compromises. I'm like having this is a, a mindful choice I'm making. Like you don't feel like you're missing out. You don't feel resentful. Like things just feel a lot calmer. Um and you finish the shift, like your future self is thanking you at the end of that shift for not like eating chocolate crisp, et cetera, all the way through it. 
Uh, because I know myself, like how I feel after doing that. Um, like you do not feel good. Your sleep is impacted the next day, which then has an ongoing effect. If you are doing more shifts, like the following week, or trying to get back into like a like your day routine the next day, like it's so much harder to do that. Um, by some choices you make on shift, and a lot of times we don't think about our future self. We think in the moment. Instead of like forward planning and, and reflecting forward, like we're just thinking about like how we feel in that moment. So sometimes I just think, like you say, like having that pause. And then for me asking myself that question, like, is my future self going to thank me for this? Yes or no? And then make that decision from there. We do struggle to see ourselves in like the future as in like quite far away. But like you just said, your future when you finish your shift, your future when you wake up in the next the next morning and you have gotten the best quality sleep. Because even if you're getting some sleep and that's impacting the quality, you're then going to be emotionally dysregulated even more. And then you're going to be highly frustrated with yourself. And just thinking back to one of the things that you said, it was um, like I'm on night shift, so I, so I deserve this treat. I think knowing that firstly, that's a career that you've chosen, so that's a choice. And again, it's the language that you're using. Why does doing a night shift mean that you get a treat? Like, you you don't need a treat in terms of food and is that really treating your body is that really gifting your body and say it's a chocolate bar and you're like oh, I'm having this because I need a treat because I'm doing a night shift on the surface it's just eating a chocolate bar but could you then say to yourself okay I've just come out of a six-hour surgery and I'm my blood sugars are dropped because I'm living in my body and I notice how I'm feeling potentially a chocolate bar might help me here it's completely different. It's still just eating a chocolate bar, but it's like your why behind it. And you don't know your why until you know your values and how that's impacting you. Mm-hmm. And there's no food. Yeah, there's there are foods that are going to massively disrupt your circadian rhythm, obviously. And eating a lot during a night shift is going to have further repercussions on your circadian rhythm and then your sleep and wake cycle. But how you view this food in your night shift and giving yourself permission to eat because you're doing a night shift that you have chosen a career path that encompasses night shifts and I mean that respectfully because I think what you guys do is absolutely phenomenal anyone that does a night shift anyone hats off to you I think it's phenomenal but that's a choice with that career path right and you don't then need to be seeking validation from language or like certain foods to get you through your night shift and actually if you're looking for energy the best thing you can eat is like whole foods nutritious foods and eating like small meals more frequently so you're not disrupting too much of your circadian rhythm but again people just fall at the the narrative don't they of treat or oh, I'll have a treat I'll have a treat mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah and um one of the things like I would love to get your thoughts on as well is thoughts on like body image and can I know like you spoke about before about how everything is intertwined so Thoughts on like body image and how healing your relationship with food can help this. And it's that, isn't it? That if we just link it back to the language that you use, if you you if you eat something that you categorize as being bad or is naughty, is a treat. You're not going to be eating something like a chicken breast. Let's be honest. It's going to be something hyper palatable. It's going to be something that's truly delicious. But if you're telling yourself that this food is bad and then you're eating it, 
What do you think that's doing for your relationship with your body? What do you think that's doing for how you feel in yourself? If you told me I'd done something bad, I'd feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I'd feel shame. I'd feel so dysregulated and I'd I'd be I'd be really sorry. So then if you're telling yourself that that food is bad and you're eating that food, you're not going to be thriving. You're not you're not going to be feeling your best. You're going to be feeling the guilt and the shame. You're going to be questioning why you did it, preoccupied with thoughts again. And then because you believe that you're addicted to sugar or you can't not eat certain food, you just fall at the expense of the all or nothing again. And then that, it prevents you achieving the things you want to achieve. It prevents you living your life. So what do you do? Shame yourself. Isolate yourself. Somebody wants to go out for food spontaneously, you resent them for asking you instead of being able to spontaneously go. So you isolate yourself and your body from these things. Mm-hmm. and then yeah. you become highly critical of yourself well you're not worth going out or maybe another thing like uh maybe you've been out and maybe you're ovulating as well or maybe you're perimenopause and you're really struggling with some bloating at the minute you put on your uniform and it's a little bit snug what do you do then bash yourself through your whole shift mm-hmm. because you haven't got the recognition and the awareness of how maybe you ate a little bit more sodium last night Maybe you ate some more carbohydrates. Ovulation maybe causes you some bloating. You're going through perimenopause. Bloating is normal. But then Susan's bought all the cakes in again. And because you are bashing yourself, you think, sod this, might as well eat them as well. Mm-hmm. So then you eat the cakes and you fall into more dichotomous thinking. And then you're Googling the next bad diet because you think that's the way out of it. It's so intertwined and so interlinked. And your body image is, it's not how you look. It's not. That is just your vessel. Your body image is how you think, feel and act towards your body. So what do you think about your body? How do you act towards your body? Do you act with complete nourishment? How do you feel in your body? And this is where that disconnect comes from years of dieting. And we know that there are, physiological changes that do occur within the body with years of chronic dieting whereby the ACC and the insular part of the brain that register like fullness and hunger they are somewhat diminished to an extent and they also feed back into the hypothalamus which supports your body image so if you've spent years dieting if you spent years like trying to be smaller or being a weight watcher slimming world keto cambridge diet i don't know like special k diet the cabbage soup diet all of these diets then how do you feel in your body you probably have no idea i didn't know for years how i felt with my body yep how does it feel to like i said at at the start how does it feel to eat certain food how does it feel to eat something that you call bad or do you just eat that really fast because it's bad and you try not to register it but then you shame yourself Mm -hmm. how does it feel to eat a, a delicious burger with your partner celebrating your anniversary or are you preoccupied by it and thinking i just need to get home so i can go for a walk because i need to burn this off and and that's that's unfortunately like a lot of people's normal like norm should we say or it's i'm going out for this burger i'm going off track so i'm gonna have a brownie as well but you have no idea what that burger tastes like what it feels like in your body what it smells like because you're just eating it because you're going off track 
and then you eat the brownie afterwards and you have no idea what that's like in your body feeling then you feel uncomfortable and then say oh it's all right because I was off track today I'll get back on it tomorrow how are you acting towards your body how is that how is that impacting you Mm -hmm. and it's all driven them through like your relationship with food your relationship with your body and this disconnect that complete disconnect from your mind and your body um and it comes back to that like hyper aroused state all the time you're not living in your body you're not regulated in yourself and when you start to reconnect and you start to acknowledge how things feel in your body that's when you can like nourish and experience as well as nourish your body so nourish and experience going back to the burger with your partner celebrating your anniversary you can feel that in your body you're enjoying it it's so delicious you're connected with your husband you're fully there you know exactly what you're saying or wife whatever you're you're taking in the moment you're able to make memories like you're going to remember that Mm -hmm. you don't remember that in years to come if you're so thought you're so preoccupied about being off track and your body and food you remember that date night five years ago when you celebrated your anniversary no we should be able to because Mm -hmm. your brain is that powerful to hold on to those memories but you diminish the ability to make those memories by this sole focus on food and body and you don't the thing is because it's it's categorized as being normal now Heather, people don't realize that they're in that until they're then exposed to this sort of language. And it's like, wow, yeah, that is me. And that has probably been me for years. Yeah. And it's funny when you say, like, when I was just listening to you, you were like, talking about how you feel when you're eating a meal. Like, ah, oh, like, you guys all know, like, I've got two kids and stuff. Like, a lot of the time, I don't think about how I feel when I'm eating a meal I don't like rightly or wrongly like I, I don't um sit and think how like how am I actually feeling how does this meal make me feel like there are certain times I will do that like if I have a little bit more time ironically at work like I have a, I have um 30 minutes for lunch which is absolutely amazing there's no little hands trying to grab my lunch either um, so I will sit and like be a little bit more mindful at that point, but I don't think a lot of people will sit and think about how they're feeling throughout a meal, like slowing down throughout a meal, being more mindful about a meal. And I guess like it's probably one of the things a lot of people can do initially um, when they are working through their relationship with food is to think about the sen- their senses when they're when they're eating their meal and practicing doing that like at bigger meals um because a lot of the times when people do that when they're doing that at their bigger meals so um for instance breakfast lunch and dinner like when they are more mindful they're slowing down they're thinking about the taste the texture the smell etc then that actually allows them to feel more more full after that meal they're snacking less they're, they're they are more regulated and yeah like that's something that a lot of people can do and it's you you can do that next meal next time you have something to eat you can do that like it's a really easy thing to implement straight away 100% and then then on the flip side of that if you're still at work like if you're at work and you've got a really busy shift and maybe you're not able to notice like the taste the texture the smell because maybe you've just come out of like a surgery or whatever you can still take a breath 
you can still ground yourself before you eat that meal because this is the other thing to take into consideration when you are eating in this aroused state and the sympathetic nervous system is engaged and i i mean like you're stressed and you're stressy in which again i think it's a, a societal norm nowadays if you haven't got the capacity to be mindful where you've got like 10 minutes to eat your dinner but you need to get something in you just take five grounding breaths before you eat because that will engage that parasympathetic nervous system, which will support your, your digestion instead of eating in this stress state, which is not going to be supportive of digestion. Then people bloat straight away and it's like, oh my God, I shouldn't have ate that. Well, why shouldn't you have ate that? How were you before? How were you regulated before? You're just taking five really deep belly breaths where you, with a prolonged exhale to bring you back to that moment so you can be more mindful whilst you're eating it if you're eating it on the go like with the children or after a busy shift at work yeah and that sounds so simple doesn't it you're like how is that going to work but it really really does I was like when I was listening I was like doing the belly breaths and I was like wow I feel so much calmer <laughs> and it's and it is repetition like and I I get to my clients and I say go away and do this every day for five minutes and there's something really as well, really powerful about touching yourself. And I mean, I mean, not like that. I mean, like touching <laughs> your heart. Just taking your, a ton. You know, <laughs> I'll touch my heart then, I promise. Um, it releases oxytocin in the body, which is, um, it's like that feel good. You know, when you have a, a cuddle, a hug, is it releases that in the body, which is really, really cool. So if you're doing the breath work and like holding your arm, holding your tummy, holding your heart, whatever, it's going to make you feel good bit of connection as well back to yourself which I think is absolutely awesome do you would you recommend that with clients then if they were like on like a shift or whatever and there was this food around about them like just having those like five mindful breaths even if they are going like they've decided they're going to have them like they, they want this whatever it is it's in front of them a bit of chocolate for instance or like a slice of cake like to have those belly breaths and that kind of um, that touch just to bring them back to the moment um like before they before they go for it before they have something to eat mm, yeah and mm. that's it just literally ground yourself to that moment what can you do right now even if you are hyper aroused and you're like do you know what I, I don't know if I've got the capacity to work on my relationship with food or my relationship with body yet just take some breaths every day every single day in for four, out for six. Or do some like box breathing, even if you're walking, doing it. And it will literally help regulate you so that you've got then more mental capacity to choose the next right thing. What's the next right thing for me? What's the next right thing for me? Mm-hmm. And I think that the important thing here is like the next right thing for me. For like, you. For me. Not for whoever else is on the shift or who like or for the kids. Like what is the next right thing for me? And it's... It's that, isn't it? Like, and you'll know this with your coaching. I say to all of my clients, the only person that matters is you. The only person who can help you is you. You can get support from a coach. And I genuinely believe in coaching. I think it is one of the most transformative things to have the reassurance, you know, the non-emotional attachment from somebody else guiding you and supporting you. But the only person a coach is ever invested in is you. Yeah, you've got your group coaching. Yeah, you've got, I've got my my clients, my one-to-one base. But we want the best for you on an individual level. And only you will know what it feels like to live in your body. But all of you 
can do breath work everybody mm. can yeah. but then that will help you make a decision for you absolutely absolutely I think that's a great place to end the podcast this has been amazing thank you so much so, no so much as always pleasure um, if anybody wants to like go and check out your social media or like where they would like to follow you to get some more information because your instagram is just jam-packed with all of this all of this content it's amazing um where can they find you i was just going to say i don't actually know what my instagram is <laughs> um i think it is bear with me nutrition.with.rebecca <laughs> I will um I'll link that in the show notes so people can go give you a little follow, um, have a look at your content and yeah, get a lot more information on like if they do want to work on their relationship with food um and with their relationship with their body. Um yeah, they can check you out. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much for your time. And if anybody has any questions or anything, please just shoot them to Heather, shoot them to myself and I'm sure we'll probably do another one about this. But if you have now open questions about anything that we spoke about, drop them across. And because I know, and you'll know this as well, Heather, it's daunting to start exploring your relationship with food. And there is some shame that comes with that. But know that this is an open place. Like we, I don't name anybody. This, you've got the trust and you've got that that space that you you can talk to any of us and we'll openly answer any questions with complete honesty integrity authenticity and and have your very best interests at heart absolutely and I think that we can both categorically say that one of the best probably the, like the most influential and most important thing things we did was work on a relationship with food like I know for me I would not be in the place I want, that I am without doing it no, I wouldn't be either. I wouldn't be regulated. <laughs> I, know, sometimes I don't feel regulated, but I feel a lot more regulated than I would have done a few years ago, that's for sure. 100%. But it was taking the time and like for me, it's an ongoing thing. Like I'm always going to be working in a relationship with food. Like I'm always having to call myself out on some of the bullshit stories that I tell myself. Like and it, and it's doing it from a place of love. It's not doing it from a place of shame or anything like that. It's but it's just creating that awareness and knowing that this is all this is going to be an ongoing journey and it's going to be an ongoing um thing that you're probably going to have to do. But yeah, that's okay. yeah. But it goes from being a chore to being something really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like I'm always working on my relationship with food and like even things like I said to my clients last week maybe sometimes I'll have like I just into Orlando in May and I'll have a donut I'll be like oh probably shouldn't have ate that and instead of acting upon that I can hear that and I'm like oh that's interesting that I said that and you just get more curious mm-hmm. yeah and it's from a place of like non-judgment as well because you're yeah. just like oh, oh oh I can't believe that came up okay we'll, we'll have a journal about that later we'll park it you're able to laugh as opposed yeah. to punish and you're able to embrace that with more of an open mind, more of a growth mind, be like, oh, but that was interesting. What can I learn from that? Yep, exactly. And that's what I say to people all the time. Like, you're you are never failing if you because there's always something to learn from that. Um, whereas if you have that perfectionist mindset, that all or nothing mindset, like that, that one thing ends up getting catastrophized. You think you're an app, like it's it's you're an absolute failure in everything. Whereas you're not like and if you can learn to live in the messy middle ground 
which whereas life is like life is never going to be perfect like you are perfectionism is like it just doesn't exist if you can learn to live in the messy ground and, and learn from mistakes learn from like things that you're doing around about food language around food etc explore your relationship with food explore your relationship with your body like you will always learn you will always grow and I don't want to say things will get easier but you become more aware you become less critical and potentially things that would have tripped you up completely don't trip you up the same it just feels calmer whilst you have challenging days you're more open to those challenging days without it creating this black and white thinking and without it being like a lot of projection and a lot of dysregulation you're able to sit in that more without feeling completely done in by it and without respectfully fall into the victim mentality all the time I was I I sat in the victim mentality for years Mm -hmm. years and like wallowed in self-pity when realistically I just I was getting in my own way yeah and that's that's a tough thing to call yourself out isn't it it's a tough thing um that my ego (laughs) she's gone yeah absolutely but thank you so so much for your time I really really appreciate it um and yeah um we will chat again hopefully soon sooner than the last the last one but not leave I us mean, big adulting we've just been talking to you i know it's just it's shit isn't it yeah anyway i'll speak to you soon you have a nice afternoon you too bye, bye.